0: Greetings, this is Carl Richards, and you are listening to Behavior Gap Radio, which is brought to you by the good folks at Bridgeway Capital Management. Check them out, bridgeway.com. Greetings, this is Carl Richards, and you are listening to another episode of Behavior Gap Radio, where I have taken it upon myself to explore and help you explore the process of making good decisions. Now, I had an experience this weekend with a very smart guy. He was actually an attorney and a very smart one. And I had presented to this group about how to invest, right? And how to make investment decisions in a rational, sort of smart way and how to realize the mistakes we made. I'll give you the short version, which you already know, but the short version is, right, you build a portfolio of low cost, super diversified investments that matches your goals, right? So the portfolio is built on purpose, designed specifically to sort of give you the greatest chance, the greatest probability of reaching your goals, right? Not somebody else's goals. So that's the short version. And then you hold on to it. I mean, the really short version would be you buy really great things and you hold on to them for a very long time. And so afterwards this attorney came up to me and he was clearly sort of, I don't know if distraught is the right thing, but he was kind of worked up a little bit. And he's like, is what you're saying basically to buy and hold? And I said, well, yeah. And I, I had to clarify, it's not to... I want to make sure you're clear about this. It's not to buy and hope, right? Like That would be smorgasbord of investments that you have no rational reason for buying and you just buy them and hope. And I don't want anybody to ever be confused between those two things, buying and hope. Buying and hoping is a bad idea. Buying and holding is a good idea. So I told him, made that distinction with him, and he said, yeah, 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 but and I think this was, I'm going to try and recall exactly what he said, but he was kind of shifting around a little bit and said, I just can't abide the idea that I just have to sit around and get the historical return of the market, which you know seven to ten percent, I just can't do that. I just don't know that that's going to be enough. So this is an interesting dilemma, right? And I and I can totally relate. I mean, it's easy for us to poke fun at people who make statements like that. But I can relate. And I've seen this a lot. And so I walked him through sort of the decisions you have, right? Okay. So the alternatives are, let's say that you have actually sat down and planned out and you've got a financial plan that won't work with you know the historical returns of the market. Well, y- you've got some expectation problems, right? You've got to kind of either... Earn and save more or lower your goals. Or I guess what he was saying was maybe there's this third alternative. I need to increase returns dramatically. So at that point, you have a couple options. If you really just can't deal with accepting the market return, you know, I just want to make one thing clear the market doesn't care, right? That you need whatever 15% instead of seven or seven to 10. The market doesn't care. It's not going to suddenly generate more return just for you so you can meet your goals. So you've got a couple options. You can go outside the public markets and you can decide, okay, I'm going to go to an inefficient market, like maybe local real estate. I'm going to become a startup guy. I'm going to get involved in an accelerator, an incubator. I'm going to invest. I'm going to be a private equity person or I'm going to to buy something where there's an inefficient market and I've got the opportunity for what we refer to as asymmetrical returns, right? asymmetrical risk and return reward right returns are skewed in my favor because i've got some skill at investing in those types of things well yeah the returns could certainly be far greater in the sort of non public markets right areas like real estate building a business investing in businesses being an angel investor a startup investor like that's why you hear so much talk about that is the returns certainly could be greater But the question you have to ask yourself is the returns can also be zero, right? There's massive risk. Now, how do you mitigate that risk? Well, you have unique skill, experience, and or relationships. I think it's those three things. And if you're really honest with yourself about that, and you feel like you have unique skill, and it's not like you can go take a seminar on how to buy houses with no money down... That does not count as experience or skill or relationships for that matter. I mean, the people who have unique skill, experience, and relationships in those sort of private markets are indeed unique. There's very few of them. And if you talk to them, they will tell you how hard it is. Because it is hard. Startup investing, angel investing is very hard. Now, does that mean it's impossible? No, it just means it's probably highly improbable. Does that mean you shouldn't do it? Absolutely not, right? Like, if you want to put in the time and energy to build that skill set, you should do it. And I'm not discouraging anyone from doing that. But just be, all I'm saying is be very honest with yourself about whether or not you really do have skill experience and relationships in those areas. So that's one option. The other option then would be, and he, my friend, the attorney didn't like that option because he said he didn't have any, right? Like he's an attorney, he's working all day and then he's busy at home. So he didn't have that. So he's being honest with himself there. So the other options were, all right, then let's go back to the public markets, like the stock market. So if, if you can't just buy and hold a really great portfolio design for you, then you do have two other options. One is you could decide that you're really good at picking stocks, right? So you could focus on investment selection, right? You could try and find the best investment. And that's investment selection, security selection. You could become a stock picker or even an asset picker, right? You could bet, make a big bet on gold or make a big bet on small caps or whatever. So you've got that opportunity. He didn't like that option either because he's like, that's that's just like throwing darts at a dartboard. It's like, yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that one is... So highly improbable; it's almost impossible. Does it happen? Sure. Do we read about it in the paper? Yes. Is it going to happen for the majority of us? Absolutely not. And we know that from all the research, right? Even the pros that spend all day long and have had years and years of experience and have all the resources behind them, don't make that happen very often, right? So then, the next, the next, the only option left would be you become really good at getting into the market just before it goes up. And you get really good at getting out of the market just before it goes down. That's called market timing. Right? So to review, we've got go to outside the public markets, you know, sort of the private investments where you need unique skill, experience, and relationships. Or stay in the public markets and get really good at picking stocks. Start your own hedge fund. (laughs) Or third, get really good at timing the market. None of those sound like good alternatives to me. I mean, I, of the three, I like the private market idea the best. But these other two, security selection, you know, becoming a stock picker, or becoming a market timer, highly improbable that's going to work. right? I, like, they just don't ring a bell. And so we, we did review that for a while. We reviewed like, is there any of these moving averages? Could you use forward looking PE ratios? All of those different ideas that have come up, And I've read about all of them. And I often dig into them and think, Oh, wow, maybe we found the secret. And after a day or two, you realize it's just another rabbit hole that's not going to take you anywhere. So the best thing you can do is focus on these other things that you have control over. You know, in other words, build a portfolio on purpose, low cost, well diversified, matches your values and goals. Then stick with it. Then focus on these other things you have control over. Could you earn a little bit more? Could you save a little bit more? Could you find a job you love so that you could stay in it a little bit longer? Is there something you could do on the side? Can you adjust your expectations about what you need in quote-unquote retirement? Could you change the idea of retirement to, you know what, I don't run into very many people that are happy sitting around for 20 years, right? Like most people find that to be incredibly, not only emotionally challenging, but also boring. So if you change that and think, hey, you know what? I may want to retire from this job of being an attorney at age, you know, as soon as possible, age 55 or 60. But I'd really love to teach at the law school or the local school or go do something completely different, you know, part time where I would earn a little bit less. But I could do that for 20 more years, right? Keep myself active, be involved in the community. So can you change your definition of work in retirement? Those are things we have control over, right? So that... I think is much better to focus our attention on those things because these other ideas, simply I I know how alluring they are and how badly we want them to be true. But the reality is they simply aren't. So why not focus instead on stuff that we have control over?